This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. When Anne gave her talk and read it, I decided I was going to write my talk, and then a lot of things happened. I had never wrote a talk, so. But I've been thinking a lot for the last three months, and um, hopefully I can spit out a few things that will make sense to someone. Um, uh, just before I decided to accept the precepts to follow that path I had decided for my own personal self I, I somehow knew that I was going to get out of New York soon I didn't know when but I decided I would uh, commit to a year of sitting every Saturday and coming to the studies class and um, and doing sashim which I did and then the Jukai thing started and I started doing that and um I may jump around here. I have notes, <laughs> so they'll all tie together. Uh, Claire said at the last, the second to the last garrison session that she was getting to this point where she was realizing she was doing everything for the last time. And what I didn't realize a year ago was that I was doing everything in New York for the last time. And if I... I might have not done Jukai had I known that, had I really. I knew I was going to leave at some point after March, but I had no idea when. And uh, that had more to do with money and work than anything else. But I didn't realize that, I didn't realize how much Jukai was going to take up necessarily, and I didn't realize that there were all these friends that, besides you guys, that I was in the city that I wasn't going to see, and that I should be seeing and saying goodbye. Oddly enough, I've had run into half a dozen people in the last couple months and said something. So, I don't know if I would have decided to do Jukai, and so maybe it's better that I didn't realize. Uh, actually, part of the reason, uh, I didn't realize how much work it was going to be to move. I had no idea. I've been living here for 37 years. I've been living in my apartment for 11. I'm not a messy hoarder, but I am a hoarder. And I have been collecting things forever. And some of them mean something, and some of them don't anymore. And I haven't looked at any of them for a long time. And I, I could have started six months ago to start going through stuff and moving. But if I had, I would have looked at everything. I would have spent two hours looking through files. And now I'm at this point where I just sort of have to scan and go, gone gotta look at this soon, whatever. I'm just tossing and packing and throwing and I, I've given I've gotten rid of a third of my stuff. I've had two stoop sales and my apartment is now still just full of crap. <laughs> and you know at the end it's just like the little things. There's just loose stuff everywhere and some of it I'm not gonna see for three weeks and it's gonna go into storage and I may not see it for six months and I don't even know if any of it means anything anymore. I can't take it. <laughs> so, um, 
so anyway, uh, uh, I've been my son. I, I finally called him. I had to reschedule my moving experience because I realized I wasn't going to be ready on time. And at some point on Sunday, I sent my son, who's working in the film business now, and. There's no life for people in the television film business. You just work when they tell you to work, and you go home when they tell you to work home. He's only 23 years old, and he can't even spend time with his father, who's moving. So I, anyway, I texted him, and I said, you have to come here tonight and for the rest of the week and help me pack so I don't lose my mind. And he's been coming. And somehow I've got to be ready by Sunday, and I guess I will. Um, but, okay, so... That's the moving thing, sort of. Um, and, and, and moving, I've had to face every emotional, physical... It's like you sit here on the cushion, and the thoughts come, and you get really good at staying with them or not staying with them, and not caring, or whatever, you know? It's like, I had too much fun at Sashin. They were, I, I expected them to be more difficult for me, and I would just go there and... So now I'm like looking at stuff and picking it up and it means something to me. It meant something to me. It was a dream. It was a thing I was going to do with grandchildren. It was something I wanted to show my son. It was, a, it was just all this stuff. <laughs> and I have to get rid of all of it or most of it. And it's, so it's been more of a push into the impermanence of everything and what's the point of holding on to it anyway. 20 years, I'm going to die, and my son's going to go, why the fuck did my dad hold on to this shit? What was he thinking? You know, so, uh, so that's been the moving experience. It's been this just continuous session of just facing and, and resisting, continually resisting. But I don't want to get rid of this. It's not fair. I haven't had a chance to do anything. Uh, so... And I had just about given up on the reason that I'm leaving. I just about given up on love. In fact, I had given up on love. And I was trying to figure out how I was going to spend the rest of my life living alone and somehow make something out of it. And um, when my son went away to college, that's when I should have started getting a life. And I've just been eroding and vegetating and coming here and sitting and thinking I'm dealing with my problems and my thoughts and just vegetating, doing nothing. I've wasted the last four years. So, which is why I think that one of the precepts should be compassion to oneself, and I'm trying, trying, trying to do that. My son said, Dad, don't get mad at yourself for all the shit you've been collecting. Just go, you're getting rid of it now, and you're going somewhere else, and you're doing something new. And I'm sort of there as everything's disappeared into boxes, but it's been... And I left here so abruptly, and then I couldn't face anyone after I left here. I was just embarrassed. I, I didn't talk to anyone about my decision because I thought I might be talked out of it. or And I, I couldn't see any way to, to get out of here and keep doing Jukai. I just couldn't see it. I take on too much stuff. I have unrealistic dreams. What time is it? <laughs> um, I, Ten to. Okay, I... Uh, As an example of an unrealistic dream, um, I had this idea that I would make my own rakusu, and uh, I ordered it. And she does all the, she cuts out all the strips, and I got it, and I opened it up, and I was like, "You have to be kidding me! <laughs> there is no way on God's earth 
I will ever. I was heartbroken. I was like, "What can I do? I know this woman who sells sewing stuff. I'm going to go and tell me what it is to these concepts of sewing. You know, the patching or whatever. There's like uh, there's little things that you do. I didn't know. Teach me what these are, and I'll do this. And then I did. Then I, but I just looked at how many strips there were, and I thought I glanced at the rocks through here, and it's like. Even with a sewing machine, the stitches are so fine, I will go insane. And that sort of kick-started me, like, saying, I can't do this. I have to stop. So it's sitting in my drawer still. I'm hoping that she'll give me some money back on that and, you know, put that towards getting a rock suit that she'll make. And, and that's like, a, just like, what was I thinking? Oh, I'll make my own little rock suit. And I'll be, oh, God, you're so fucking nuts. So, <laughs> that's, that's if anything. The more I've sat, the more crazy I've begun to realize I am. I, I, I worked at Saturday Night Live when I first came here. That was my thing. I came and worked at Saturday Night Live, and it was genius. I was 21 years old, hanging out with these stars. And it wasn't about the stars, but it was like where everything was in New York City in 1976. And, and then it ended. And there's, there's no topping that job at 21 years old. Everything after that is downhill. That's what it's been. <laughs> Except for my son, my glory, my life, you know. And so then there was, and then I made other decisions. And so then it became like you made a wrong decision. What's the right decision? And for the last 30 years I've just been going crazy over every decision and going places and wanting to have stuff and hold on to it and keep it in and then suddenly I meet this person and I, I haven't done anything. I just am myself and someone loves me. <laughs> I don't fucking get it. I, I haven't done anything to deserve this. My practice is like, you know? So this is the part where I said I would tell the truth, okay? <laughs> um, and I don't trust this for a moment. I'm just like, sure, I'm going to get to California and go, well, guess what? You had cancer. You had six months to live. See you later. And before this, I was praying to get sick. I was like, just get me sick. And I just want to tell everyone, I'm out of here. I'm gone from this ridiculous place where everyone is so mean and cruel and there's wars and everything. And now I don't want to get cancer. <laughs> and, you know, I just, you know, my son spent all this time with me the other night. He stayed extra late. And I was like, does that mean I'm dying? This is the last time I'm going to see you and you're just spending this time with me and that's what this means? So I think it's going to take me a while to settle into believing that this person loves me. A couple months ago during a very difficult time, Gail was like, what do I have to tell you? that?" To, and I wasn't telling her that I didn't believe she loved me, but she was getting that feeling. And she had this feeling that people get when you're, there's nothing I can say to you. I don't know what to say to you. Whatever I say to you is wrong. How, what do I say? And I, in the end, I was like, just be here three months from now and still in love with me, and I'll know that you still love me. You know, that's We're going through a difficult time here, and if you're still here, and she was. And thank God she has her moments because that I, it's like I don't. You could all freak out right now, and I'd be like, "Fine, I would just watch you, and I would be understanding, and I would give you good advice, and I'd be very compassionate." I can't do that to myself. I'm just can't do it. So anyway, that's what I'm hoping to do. Uh, I don't. 
this was a, also when I left, it was a crisis for me. It was like me realizing once again that Zen is useless and I, it hasn't helped me figure out how to make this decision, how to properly say goodbye to everyone, how to move. And I also felt like I wasn't open enough to the Sangha. I'm like a shy person and I felt like there was something, not you guys, but I just have an issue with being open. I mean, I can talk like this to everyone, but whatever, you know, that whatever, 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 whatever. I think I said everything. Couldn't fully open it. This, uh, too many understanding. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, yeah. Uh. But, but I do, like, Gail's mother gave me this, Gail gave me this candle 70, 36 years ago from her, it was a pewter candle, and I've kept it all this time. And I had to tell her when I ran into her again, and she was like, you haven't thought about me probably all this. I was like, no, I have this candle. Every time I look at it, I think of you. And that's why I keep everything else I keep. I have something. I have this thing that I got, those little teeth that you wind up, and they... I went to this convention on streaming video. It was the first one before anybody knew anything. There were ten different programs. I kept it because I remember the guy, and I remember the day. And But you can't keep all this stuff. <laughs> should throw it all on a fire and burn it. Anyway, um, burn the thoughts. I don't mean to sound too negative. I can't sound negative. I'm not really that negative of a guy. I love life. I just get upset with how everyone doesn't love it as much as me. Or I don't know. I'm glad I recorded this. I probably won't edit it. I don't care if anyone hears it or not or what they think. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's, I'm in that mode. That's the mode I'm in. I have to move out of. I'm in the emptiness mode. I just I see the meaningless of life, and that helps me get through stuff. But I don't see the meaningfulness so much. I mean, except for when I laugh occasionally. I do. All right. I better say <laughs> in so many ways. Thank you for oh, thank you for coming. I was hoping there would be a larger turnout, but what can you say? No. That was a joke. That was gonna be, <laughs> that was going to be the first joke, and I forgot it, so I'm slipping it in. Uh, I appreciate everyone, and I appreciate everyone's compassion. Claire and Barry were very kind to me when I just stopped coming here, and uh, I appreciate everyone's love. I can't tell you; uh, you'll all be in my thoughts forever. These are the people I did see for the last year, and this has been a very meaningful experience. And so, I love you all. And thank you. <laughs>